You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my co-host Cammy at Cammy and G, or follow the show Locked On Horns. Cammy will not be on this episode. She is a little under the weather, so I will be rolling with you solo on the Locked On Longhorns podcast. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. So head on over to builtbar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You're getting twenty percent off your next order. But I always want to remind you to head on over to the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So head on over. Check out each and every team that you follow, including this one right here on the Locked On Longhorns Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some uh, late-breaking news on Jordan Whittington, what Baylor is doing, uh, kind of head-scratching as, as they prepare to hopefully play Texas. Uh, we got Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn joining the show. We're going to talk a little bit about Herb Hand and, and what's going on there. And then uh, we're going to talk about five stats about the Longhorns. We're going to get into those details in a little bit. But first, let's let's talk about the Jordan Whittington news. So, obviously, Jordan Whittington has been a player who was injured last season, missed most of the year. Uh, re-aggravating a, a sports hernia issue that he had back in high school his senior year. Uh, he would miss the whole year. And then coming into this season, there was a lot made about Jordan Whittington, what he was going to be able to do, what he was able, going to be able to accomplish this season. And then Jake Smith got hurt, and then Jordan got hurt. So the team didn't have either one of them against Oklahoma. They were expected to have both. Jake Smith re-aggravated his hamstring injury, so he was out for the game. Jordan played the whole game, had 10 receptions in the game. Now he's up to 12 on the season, 110 yards, one rush for 15 yards. But once again, it, it appears that he sustained an injury in that game against Oklahoma. Looks to be an abdominal soft tissue injury. He's going to miss sometime, according to a report from Horns 24-7, there's no actual timetable on his on his injury time, on his rehab time, and when he'll be back. So, you know, once again, we're looking at having neither Jake Smith or Whittington. Uh, Smith, like you said, he, he re-aggravated the injury to his hamstring. I don't, we don't know at this point if he's going to be able to go, obviously – uh, today, Tom Herman will be meeting with the media as his usual Monday press conference, and and hopefully we'll get some updates on Jake Smith, Jordan Whittington. Hopefully, Jake Smith will be good to go Saturday against Baylor. Uh, but at this point, I mean, we really don't know. But but it just seems like we can never have both of those guys on the field at the same time, and it's something that we were all looking forward to. I'm sure Mike Yersich was looking forward to. I'm sure. Sam Ellinger was looking forward to it, and and we'll get into Sam Ellinger later in the show uh, when, when we talk about the five stats. But you know, just just right now with the injuries and everything that's occurring, it's just uh, you know it's it's kind of head scratching. It's frustrating because these are all these weapons that the team was expected to have, and the offense was supposed to be really dynamic. And while they have been for the most part, 
uh, the last couple of weeks that they've had their issues with their offense, uh, you know, being slow or, or dying in the middle of the game and, and, you know, and having to, you know, ramp it back up late in the game to get back in it. So, you know, it, it was, I think that's one of the issues that this offense has had with, with being able to sustain uh, productivity. And, and I think that's the reason why, you know, when you fall behind and uh, against a TCU, against an Oklahoma and you're not able to score and, and have to have these late runs to try to get back in the game you know it's frustrating it's tough you know those are some of the things that this team is dealing with and you know it could be a good reason why they're two and two at this point and one and two in conference play through four games now let's talk about Baylor Baylor had to cancel their game or postpone it till December against Oklahoma State they were expecting to play this past Saturday uh, however they had an uptick in, in COVID-19 cases 42 in all, 28 on the football team, another 14 among their staff, not able to field the football team. Obviously, there's a 53-player guideline uh, that they have to have. Uh, and so they had to cancel the game. But I thought this was really interesting because really I think it's dumb. Let me just be frank here. The fact that Baylor has all these cases but yet held – a homecoming at McLean Stadium in Waco in which their head coach was a part of it, their team was a part of it, they had fans there. It was in poor taste. If, if you're in quarantine and you're having an outbreak on your team that 42 people uh, have contracted the coronavirus, it seems to be in poor taste to have all of these, you know, students and in, in, and fans in your stadium for a homecoming celebration for a game that didn't happen because it was postponed due to coronavirus. Uh, it really it speaks to the stupidity, and it makes me wonder if the Big 12 is going to do something about this, if they're going to to find the school or, or, or whatnot, because we saw uh, the Southeastern Conference Commissioner Greg Sankey you find Old Miss, you find Texas A&M, and and then one other school, it's, it slips my mind, but they were fined a hundred thousand dollars a piece for not adhering to to the uh, social distancing guidelines when it comes to coronavirus, when it comes to COVID nineteen. So, you know, I just thought, you know, that was in poor taste, and you know, and obviously, like you said, there's these guidelines. They have to have seven offensive linemen. Uh, to be able to play in this game, you have to have four interior linemen and at least one healthy quarterback, uh, along with a team of at least 53 players to play this game. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see, and, and we'll monitor as the week goes on. But, uh, you know, hearing about all those cases, it kind of it really put this game in doubt and, and not sure if it's going to happen. Uh, obviously, we knew that these type of things were going to happen. But it seems at Baylor it's a lot more frequent. They had to, you know, suspend any football activity for three times this year. So, you know, it's 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 one of those things where it makes you wonder what what exactly is going on at Baylor right now. I mean, we don't really know what's going on there, but you know, it, it doesn't seem it seems like other schools aren't having the same issues that Baylor is. So it makes me wonder uh, what exactly they have going on that's causing them to have these issues week in and week out but uh coming up next we are going to chat with Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast as he helps me 
breakdown. What exactly is going on with Herb Hand? Uh, but first, let's tell you about our friends at Cords Light. You know, whenever you, whenever you're always go 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 like we have been, even if if you're social distancing and, and staying at home, but we're you know, some of us are working at home, but it's go, go, go all the time. What do you do when you need to chill out? When you need to relax, I'll tell you what I do. I open up the fridge and I reach for one of those cores light. Absolutely crack that open and allows me to take some time to relax in a world where we're go, go, go. No, it doesn't matter what team or sport is playing. I mean, Sunday night, we had NFL football, Sunday night football. We had game seven of the National League Championship Series. Whenever sports are being played, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport, any team. But just drink beer, flip through the channel, find a sport, crack open a Coors Light. You know, that's, that's the best way to go. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. And as always, you want to celebrate responsibly with a beer from Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for that beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new delivered, new look, delivered straight to your door. Head on over to get.coorslight.com and get your beer right away. Made to chill. All right, so let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar has been fantastic for me as I try to lose weight, as I try to be healthy. I've gotten away from eating the junk. When I need a snack, when I need some energy, I reach for that Built Bar. I mean, we're talking less sugar, less carbs than your normal garden variety energy bar. But really, this is like, it's like a healthy candy bar. It's got that great taste, 100% chocolate. Gives me my energy when I need it. They got 12 original flavors. They got six new flavors, and they temporarily brought in the strawberry flavor. So you got to go check them out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get 20% off. You can get you one of those boxes of 18 bars or, you know, order your own package. Pick the ones you like. If you need a recommendation, I'm telling you, the mint brownie bar is Perfect way to go. Anytime it's got mint, brownie, peanut butter, those are fantastic. Check out the six new flavors or check out the strawberry that is here for a limited time. You got to check them out. Go to builtbar.com. Use that promo code locked on. That's 20% off. That's L O C K E D O N. Welcome, Zach Blackerby from the Locked On Auburn podcast uh, to kind of help us talk a little bit about Herb Hand. Uh, Zach, thanks for for hopping on. I, I think you felt my frustrations after Saturday's game. Yeah, I saw your tweet saying, you know, you're going to be talking a lot about Herb Hand this week. And, gosh, a, a little bit of a flashback. I, I responded to you and said, man, <laughs> I have been there and done that. I thought I was done talking about Herb Hand. But, no, no, I'm happy to chat about him for a few minutes with you, man. Yeah, it, 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 it's come full circle, right? You got rid of him. You're like, okay, we're good. And then – you're like, oh, well, I need, I need to help out my buddy Pat as we talk about it. Her so, <laughs> yeah. so, like, the big thing that, that I kind of noticed, you know, I, I people have talked, you know, and, and maybe it's ignorant on their part uh, about Herb Hand being 
you know, a better offensive line coach. And you know, obviously he's been in Texas for two plus seasons. He spent two years at, at Auburn and two years at right. Penn State before that. But, you know, when you talk about the the NFL and, and developing NFL talent, uh, if you go back to his time at Auburn, only one offensive lineman during his tenures have been drafted into the NFL. Right, yeah, and, and because of kind of his presence at Auburn or his lack of presence in his recruiting, um, Auburn's still kind of in the same boat. They had two guys get drafted last year on the offensive line, but, yeah, under him, yeah, it was what was it Braden? Do, do you have that yeah. in front of him? Yeah, Braden Smith, and he was incredible, and I, I think he would have had a good chance getting drafted regardless of who coached him. So, you know, the, the deal with Herb, and, and you guys may have been in the same situation, when he was hired by Gus Malzahn at Auburn, there was all this excitement because it's like, oh, man, this guy is such a good recruiter on the offensive line. And the guy who was here before, uh, before him, Coach Grimes, his kind of thing was like he'd get all these three stars and then just develop them, develop them, develop them. And then by the time, you know, they're juniors and seniors, you know, you, you got a veteran offensive line, and they just kind of gelled together as a unit. But Auburn wanted to take that next step. Gus Malzahn loves to run the football. And so it was like, okay, great. We can see him bringing in all these four- and five-star guys. And, Pat, let me tell you what, man. It was the most fascinating thing. Auburn got second or third for, like, every four- or five-star. But the, he just never landed anybody. And so the development wasn't there. The talent wasn't there. And Auburn's still in the hole in the offensive front. They've got a really good roster, consistently uh, recruit just inside the top ten. And uh, it doesn't matter because they don't have an offensive line. So, you know, they have a hard time beating good SEC teams. So a lot of that has to do with what Herb Hand did during his uh, two-year stint at Auburn. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100% in what you're saying there because when I look at it, uh, the offensive line they're having trouble with, uh, you know, blocking up front. Uh, but not only that, go back to your recruiting. Uh, we had two legacy guys, uh, the Brockermeyer brothers, James and, and Tommy, Right. Everybody thought they were going to Texas, and then for whatever reason, at the last second, they're Alabama. You know, and, and so you lose a legacy like that, and, and I attributed that to Herb Hand's lack of development because I think they looked at it and said, look, I want to play in the NFL. If I look at Alabama, they're consistently sending guys, and Texas is not. You're right. You're right. And, uh, man, <laughs> do I know the feeling as far as you think you got a good chance on a recruit, and they end up going to Alabama. So. I uh, I totally understand uh, from that front, but you 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 know Alabama has the ability to like negatively recruit those guys when you talk about playing for Herb Hand. They did it for you know when he was at Auburn. I'm sure they're doing it now with the Brockermeyer brothers, like you just said. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, just you know, you look at long term implications. You need to start recruiting every year at offensive line. You need three, four, five offensive linemen, regardless of the position, and he just – and he, he – I don't think he got, like, one solid tackle while he was at Auburn. He would be okay getting guards and centers, but, I mean, Auburn has essentially had to move defensive linemen to the other side of the football to play tackle or just get JUCO tackles to play. And so, that, I mean, that, that really started when Herb Hand took over. So, uh, is Texas in a similar situation with that? Yeah, I mean, the – the, the best offensive tackle that they have right now is Samuel Cosme, who's a three-star guy. It's kind of – I kind of feel like you felt like with Braden Smith where it didn't matter who coached him. 
um, his work ethic and, and, and how he wants to be the best. Uh, you know, he's constantly working at that. And, and so when I look at it, I, I kind of feel the same way. But we have issues at right tackle with Christian Jones. Uh, we have issues at the right guard position with, with guys that are struggling to protect the quarterback. I mean, we're four games in, and, and they've already given up 61 pressures. Uh, yeah, I'll leave. And, you know, the, the sack number is nine through four games, and, and I think it would be much higher if you didn't have a quarterback like Sam Ellinger who's mm-hmm. physical enough, who can, you know, who's elusive enough and can make those plays. But, I mean, you're talking about 61 pressures. You're talking about 46 hurries, 15 hits. You know, that's going to take a toll on your quarterback by season's end. I don't care how they're built. You know, and, yeah. and so, you know, it kind of felt like when I when looking at the numbers for, for Auburn that they were – Y'all were very similar in that y'all were giving up two and a half, three sacks a game mm-hmm. uh, under her hand. And so is is it is it his teaching style? Is it recruiting? Is it a combination? Like like when when it all boils down to it, what's the big issue with her hand? Well, I, I think he needs talent. And um, I, I think that's just kind of the bottom line there. I don't think guys really got better during their time. And, and, and let me ask you this. I mean, at, at Auburn, it, it really seemed like a big issue of his was putting guys in the right place. And so I remember his – I believe it was his second season at Auburn, going into his second season at Auburn. You had Braden Smith who could play either guard spot or either tackle spot. And there were a few other guys that, you know, were solid SEC talent, not necessarily draft-eligible guys, but just solid talent. And there was this whole, like, mix and match thing. They were trying everybody at every different position. And they ended up putting Smith at guard. And then, like, he's starting in the NFL as a tackle. And it's just like, I feel like he wasted the best talent that he had. And so, I mean, that's – that. I just don't think he really has an eye for it. And uh, just, you know, bottom line, I, I just don't think the offensive lines as units got better – or individual guys. And I think a big part of it is like these guys are not in the right spot. And that's obviously an issue when you talk about, you know, managing your, your personnel on the offensive front. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Junior Engelau was a, was a guy that they had on the right guard and he was really good uh, in that spot. He's kind of struggled a little bit on the left guard side. Uh, I mean, they brought in Denzel Okafor, Christian Jones. They moved Derek Kerstetter from right tackle to center. And I feel like he's really struggled that center position specifically in run blocking. Uh, and, and that's the thing is, is the Tom Herman offense wants to run the football and they're without their quarterback. They are not much of a running offense. I mean, their running backs aren't even getting nine carries a game. They're having to abandon it. Uh, they're playing from behind. So they're throwing a lot more, but yeah, one of the staples of this team is to run the football and, and with her hand, it just hasn't been there. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe I've watched a little bit of Texas this year. I watched you guys play Oklahoma last week. I'm sure that was a, a crazy game for you to, to, to have to cover and, and watch, bud. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, just bottom line, I, I don't think teams get better from week to week throughout the season under her hands. And based on what you're saying, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's just, you know, same guy, just a different place at Texas. Do you think uh, – how long do you think his tenure at, at, as a Longhorn will be? I, I think this will be his last year, specifically if, if Tom Herman is gone as well because, you know, there's a lot of whispers going on right now and, and you know, fans aren't happy. They're booing at home. You know, so there's a, there's a lot going on there. I mean, that's – it's it's one of the things that, you know, we're on a bye week, so we've been focused a lot on Tom Herman this week and just 
it's what we're calling familiar failures. And it seems like Herb Hand falls right into that familiar failures. He's had that problem at Auburn. He comes to Texas. That's the, that's the same issue. But, Zach, I want to appreciate you for hopping on. Make sure you check out Zach's work at the Locked on Auburn podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Z Blackerby, B-L-A-C-K-E-R-B-Y. Zach, thanks for hopping on, man. Hey, thank you so much, Pat. All right, big thanks to my man, Zach Blackerby, on over at Locked on Auburn as he helped us break down some of the issues that that we're seeing with with Herb Hand, and obviously it sure sounds like it's not something new. It's something that they dealt with before he came to Texas, and now Texas is dealing with the same exact thing. You know, I think those are the type of deals that are – or why the fan base is so fed up with Tom Herman because, like Cammy always says, familiar – failures and that's what we're seeing familiar failure but now we're gonna we're gonna switch gears a little bit we're gonna get into this thing called five stats about the texas longhorns i went through and uh i found some surprising stats that i kind of wanted to go over uh here with you on the locked on longhorns podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day you know the interesting part is obviously this defense has been under fire this year uh they've been woeful uh, I think is one way to say it. But the interesting part is this team has had the most third downs faced in the Big 12. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, it means that this team isn't giving up as many first downs on first and second downs, so they're forcing third downs, which are obviously a positive thing because you want to see more third downs. You want to create those long third down and, you know, five, six, seven, and that allows your pass rush just pin the ears back and get after the quarterback. Uh, so this year, Texas has faced 67 third downs. Uh, just looking at the teams that have played four games this year, Texas was number one at 67. Then you had Kansas State at 60. Texas Tech at 57. Iowa State at 53. And then Oklahoma at 49. So, you know, the Texas defense is doing their part in not giving up as many first downs in first and second. Uh, but they got to do a better job. Once they get into those third down situations, they got to – Make sure it's more than manageable, meaning it can't be a third and three. You know, force those third and five, third and six, third and sevens, you know, those third and longs that allow you to generate pass rush, that allow you to get Joseph Asai, that allow you to get Moro Ajomo or an Alfred Collins, Daquan Graham. You know, get those guys getting out the quarterback. Get your quarterback hunters on the field and let them get out the quarterback. So, you know, that's the one positive thing that they're doing is forcing those more third downs, but they need to do it and continue to do it and let that defense try and help you out a little bit. Uh, here's the big surprising thing. The one I didn't expect is Texas has the number one scoring offense in the country. Uh, Texas has scored 26 touchdowns. So they're scoring touchdowns, six and a half touchdowns per game is their average. They're averaging 49 and a half points. Alabama was the number one offense, but after their game against Georgia, they dropped to number two. They scored 41 points, but that was below their average of 51 a game at that time. They're now at 48 and a half. Uh, the other not-so-surprising teams on here, BYU at 43.6 points per game. Virginia Tech at 42.7. How about Georgia State? 44 points a game. Uh, so, but, you know, I thought it was interesting that Texas was that high. I mean, I know that they've scored a lot of points, and they can thank overtime for that. 
uh, scoring 56 against uh, or 63, I guess, against Texas Tech, and then obviously they had the 45 point out output against Oklahoma that required overtime, and then 59, obviously, in their opener. Uh, how about the fact that Texas Longhorns defense right now? It's on pace for futility. And, and what I mean by that is they're on, they are on pace to be close to the worst defense in the Big 12 in the last decade. In 2015, Kansas surrendered 56 touchdowns, 430 points, which broke it down to 47.8 points per game in conference play. Right now, the Texas defense in conference play are on pace to surrender 54 touchdowns. That's 426 points, 47.3 points per game. Again, while overtime has attributed to that, the fact is they're giving up a lot of points. Uh, this year, Kansas, who is always seen as the worst defense in the league, typically, because they give up the most points. This year, they're on pace to do 40 to give up 45 touchdowns, that's nine less than Texas projecting. 396 points at 44 points a game. That just tells you the futility at which the Texas defense is at this point in the season. Again, something woeful and something that needs to get fixed in a hurry. Obviously, they brought in Chris Ash thinking he was going to have a bigger impact than he's had so far. Uh, the missed tackles, uh, giving this team more opportunities, and obviously – it doesn't help when your offense can't sustain drive, so your defense is on the field more. Something that really needs to change and needs to change quickly. So looking at what this defense is doing, it, it's time for them to get that fixed. And, and really, I think it starts with getting to the quarterback. Uh, it's something that I harp on a lot. And You know, Chris Ash has worked with guys like J.J. Watt, Joey Bosa in the past. You know, and he even said that, that Joseph Asai had those same – qualities that those guys had you know I mean say so to say that he's got the same qualities of a J.J. Watt and a Joey Bosa who are not only did they do it at the college level but they're really good really good in the NFL as well I mean this past weekend Joey or uh, J.J. Watt reported his 99th career sack in the NFL so obviously those guys know how to get to the quarterback but if you go back to 2012 uh so the last you know eight years or so and so, looking at this, they were number one in the, in sacks per game and total sacks from 2012 to 2016. Uh, starting in 2017, which is the first year of the Tom Herman era, they finished second in the conference in sacks with 31 total, 2.39 per game. The following season, they finished sixth. So, in 2018, 32 sacks, 2.29 per game that was sixth in the conference the very next year 27 2.08 per game again they finished sixth in the conference through four games this year the texas defense has five sacks it's 1.25 sacks per game and they're ninth in the conference for a team that was expected to have a much bigger impact uh chris ash was expected to have a much bigger impact they got to find a way to get to the quarterback Joseph Asai has one sack. They've got to find ways. If it's scheming, if it's, you know, more stunts, more twists, you know, those are the things that they're going to have to do. They're going to have to find a way up front to generate pressure. 
Uh, five sacks, that, that's not going to do it. They're, they're basically allowing the quarterback on the opposing team to just sit back and pick their defense apart. You can't expect your guys to hold coverage for five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds while a quarterback scans the field, tries to find an open guy. So generating more pressure is going to help this team immensely, and that's really uh, where I think the focus should be at. And finally, we're going to talk about Sam Ellinger leads the conference in almost every st- statistical category, except it was one big one. But we're talking completions, top guy, attempts, yards, yards per game, touchdown. He's doing it all, but here's the big problem. Out of nine quarterbacks who qualified for this stat, he is last in completion percentage. He's not able to hit downfield. We saw it against Oklahoma. We saw it against TCU. He has not been good down the field this year, so that's an an area they need to to help him out with. Maybe do less of those plays, you know, more of the intermediate, the underneath stuff, because going downfield is not uh, Sam's game. And, and, And more importantly, outside the numbers is where he's struggling. So throwing to the sidelines has been an issue uh, for Sam, and and it continues to be an issue. So they got to find ways to play to his strengths over the middle of the field if possible. not saying he totally ignore the outside the numbers, but uh, it's it's evident that that Sam cannot do that down the field, throwing outside. So, you know, that's a big question. His deep ball placement has always been a question, and – it's, it's shown up this year. He's, he's overthrowing those deep passes or overthrowing wide-open receivers. Uh, you know, so that's something that they've got to work on and they, they've really got to fix. You know, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Once again, special thanks to Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn for showing up today, talking some curb hand with me. Uh, and obviously, I want to say – a belated happy birthday to my co-host, Kami and G. She, she celebrated her birthday on Saturday. So if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, make sure that you, you reach out to Kami. Tell her happy birthday. That, um, and, and she'll be back on Tuesday. We're excited to get her back on the show as we get you ready for Baylor against Texas. Hopefully that game does take place. But for Tammy, I'm Patrick, and as always, keep it locked on.